the boys. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Lucky Dog Podcast. This is your host, Elias Roush. This podcast is sponsored by EliasRoushMedia.com. Today we are discussing The Boys, 2019 TV series. An American superhero dark comedy web series, uh, web television series based off of the comic book, based off the same name, by Garth Ennis and Derek Robinson. The series was developed by Eric Kripp and premiered on July 26, 2019. That was uh, from Wikipedia, and, and according to that, it's already been renewed for the second season. It's a superhero black comedy, but it's got somewhat of a twist. I'd say, here's the synopsis real quick. In a world in which superpowered heroes have become commonplace, they're syndicated, monetized, and marketed by a company called Vought International. Unfortunately, money and privilege corrupt in many of the soups, quote-unquote, give in to their darker impulses. Soups are what they call superheroes in this. A clandestine group of normal supervillains Vigilantes then arise to counter the corrupt soups. So, yeah, this is a different type of television show that really takes the premise of Justice League and kind of puts it on its head. A lot of shows, more or less recently, um, have, you know, stepped into the darker comedy series and tried to, well, not just series movies as well, such as uh, one recently, this came out, I believe it was the summer, was Brightburn. That one really tried to get to go with the uh, the darker what-if scenario, uh, there was an evil Superman kind of thing. This, The Boys, really takes that to the nth extreme and takes, you know, what if the Justice League had a big evil corporation behind it, backing it, giving it funding, and giving it reason to thrive, which ultimately becomes, uh, you know, monetized. And like I said, uh, it becomes more of corporate branding. This, um, it's definitely got a niche in the type of storytelling it's telling. It's, you know, it really is taking some of our favorite superheroes and saying, you know, what if they weren't that great? And honestly, the uh, podcasters from the Slash Film cast were talking about this was uh, not the... Well, half of them agreed that they really liked it, and the other half were saying, you know, this isn't a great show, but it's the one we deserve. And the more I watched it, the more I thought, yeah, this does feel like the culmination of having... 20-plus Marvel films, uh, you know, on top of 10-plus DC films, and then other, you know, small series like the Netflix stuff in between, and just having a wide range of media that all very much takes place in the same type of world, superhero kind of comic world. And out of everything I've listed, the majority of those have not delved deep into the... um, the darkness of it and the more adult aspects of superhero comics, which comes to uh, a point which makes why the boys might actually work as opposed to other, you know, properties, properties that might not. Um, Netflix obviously tried to do their own um, series with the um, the whole Defenders, they had the, the Daredevil. I I would ultimately say that the Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, un, uh, Iron Fist, not so much, but um, ultimately they had a good run. I think they got several seasons out of different you know superheroes. So, um, I I I can definitely see why Amazon Prime is trying to have their own type of you know piece of the pie too, you know, saying, Hey, we got a great service over here too. And we want to have, um, that type of 
material on our streaming service. So I can see the boys being very much their, um, you know, their Daredevil, their Jessica Jones, their Luke Cage kind of stuff. So I'm I'm curious to see what direction Amazon Prime takes this. This what from what I hear, it's already had uh, it's already been renewed for a second season. The director of the first episode is Dan Trachtenberg, and what I can tell uh, from the first episode is that they got it, either the entire series has uh, a decent amount of money, or given that it's eight episodes and about an hour each, or um, you know they really front loaded this first one with uh, the the uh, I'd say the the camera work and the cinematography and the special effects. I think that the majority of the special effects really work on this um, on this show. One thing I will say is the main character Jack Hoyt, I believe is his name. I I think he's like a spawn of. Uh, Dwight from The Office, because I can't stop seeing Dwight from The Office. So I'm like, I'm, <laughs> I, I can't stop seeing Dwight. <laughs> so anyway, we have a pretty wide cast that I'll try to do a quick speed up on everything. Let me see if I can find out if Jack Quaid is related to anyone that we know, because I swear this. Okay, so he is the son of Meg Ryan and Dennis Quaid. Ah, I knew he was somebody that we knew. Um, Jack Quaid has been featured in, obviously, The Boys. Uh, one episode of Harvey Girls Forever, plus one, uh, Smallfoot. Wait, Smallfoot is a... Yeah, that's a movie, I think, right? Um, Rampage, 2018. Sea Oak, 2017. Logan Lucky, okay, so he's been in some movies. 2017 is Fishbang. He was in an episode of Workaholics, Tragedy Girls. Um, He's been in a bunch of shorts, and... He was in Vinyl. Oh, I, I watched one episode of Vinyl on HBO, and I was just like, oh, this is a little excessive. I don't know. I might have to go back and check it out. Um, let me see. Just before I go, a couple more shorts, like tons of shorts. He was also in The Hunger Games, Catching Fire, and uh, the original Hunger Games as well. So he's um, he's been making his way up the charts. Um, mostly The Hunger Games are what he's known for. Um, Carl, Carl Urban. That's a hard name to say really fast. Um, as Billy Butcher, Carl Urban is known best for featuring in a couple of, you know, like kind of like straight to DVD kind of movies or, you know, straight to streaming. Bent 2018, Hangman 2017, Acts of Vengeance 2017, Thor Ragnarok. Okay, we got some Marvel up in here, uh, 2017. Pete's Dragon 2016. That was I heard that was a pretty good movie. Didn't see it. Star Trek Beyond uh, 2016, The Loft 2014, Short People's Episode 1, uh, Almost Human, and a couple of episodes of that. Um, Walking with Dinosaurs 3D, so he does some animation. Uh, uh, it sounds like voice work. He was in Riddick, 2013. You know, he's been in a ton of stuff. Star Trek, Dread, uh, Red, 2010, the old, the old people, 2000, I mean, sorry, 007 movie. Um, Doom, 2005, The Born of Supremacy, 04, Chronicles of Riddick, 04, Lord of the Rings, 03, Twin Towers, 02, Ghost Ship, 02. You know, short confession, Ghost Ship always creeped me out. That the the title, I mean like the the poster, always thought that was a really catching, you know, the, the skull on the ship. But anyways, side tangent. Um anything else was, you know, small you know, small uh television series or voice work. Um but he's gone he's been in a ton of things, so uh, I think a lot of people will recognize him from a lot of that work. Um Anthony Starr, wow, I did not even recognize this guy, because they bleached this guy's hair, and he normally has what looks like dark, uh, either black or dark brown hair, and this guy was best known for being on um, Banshee, from what I heard, and uh, currently, 
recently has been on American Gothic 2016, Banshee, um, a couple episodes of Tricky Business. I don't know what the hell that is. That was in 2012. Rush 2011. These are television shows, TV movies. Um, he did some voice work in Spies and Lies. Looks like a TV movie. You know, so this guy's been on some TV movies. He was in Without a Paddle. Um, the you know the one with uh, Seth Green and um, Matthew Lillard. Um, but yeah, I don't know him from too many things. But uh, I think he's been an interesting uh, breakthrough on this as like this kind of Captain America slash Superman crossover. I mean, he's definitely capturing the attention. Of, he's capturing my attention with doing uh, a lot with a little just in this first episode. Um, Aaron Moriarty plays Annie January as uh, Starlight. And I have kind of some mixed feelings about the way they've written this character. She's almost uh, annoyingly naive, um, but I think I see the kind of trajectory they're going to take her, you know, take her to you know, show her the lowest, you know, how bad the world can be, but also how, you know, bright she can be. She is best known for being in uh, uh, Captain Fantastic. Oh, I love that movie. That was with um, Virgo Mortson. Uh, she was on The Watch, that kind of weird Ben Stiller, Vince Vaughn joint. Um, and yeah, she's been in just some small stuff. I haven't really, nothing I like straight to DVD type stuff. Well, she was on True Detective. Okay. So she's been on some, uh, some big names as well. So I don't really remember her on that. So she must've had a relatively small role. Um, Queen Maeve is played by Dominique uh, McGillet, and she's best well known for being on House of Cards. I've seen most of House of Cards, and I don't remember on that. So she, having her all dressed up, I think she might have been the wife of one of the, the politicians. I can't remember. Um, she was in Moon, that one independent movie with, uh, uh, what's his face, um, Sam Rockwell, and uh, we will, he who will not be named. And, uh, yeah, so she has, doesn't have terribly too many, th uh, credits under her belt. Not as many as the uh, rest of them. She was on Hell on, Hell on Wheels, AMC series. Um, she's been on some other movies, Not Fade Away, 2012, Blackthorn, 2011, Leap Year, 2010. So these were kind of smaller movies. I do believe some of them did make it to theaters. Um, Jesse T. Usher as A-Train. So, yeah, this is a pretty big, wide cast. Um, he was in Independence Day. I, I don't remember him. I guess he was, oh, 2016, so that's why I don't remember. No, not maybe we saw that. Um, Survivor's Remorse, I think that's a television show. Uh, Almost Christmas, I think that's a movie. And uh, he was in the most recent Shaft. I think he was the, the young Shaft, J.J. Shaft. Um, anything else we have in here? Um, just a lot of voice work. Um, yeah, and some small roles on television numbers and without a trace and the mentalist, that type of stuff. We also have Chase Crawford as the deep. I think this is probably relevant to go through, through these, uh, filmographies just to see who we're working with. Um, normally we won't touch on this, but, um, this guy's been in Nighthawks 2019, the movie, Charlie Says 2018. Oh, Charlie Says, that must have been the Manson movie. I did not hear anything about that, and it's got pretty bad reviews, 5.7 on IMDb. Um, he was in All About Nina, 2018, I Do Until I Don't, 2017. So he's been in some, it looks like smaller movies. Casual for two episodes. Um, Eloise, uh, 2016, Rules Don't Apply, 2016, Undrafted, 16. Uh, Blood and Oil, 10 episodes. Cry of Fear, 2015. One episode of Glee couple 121 episodes of Gossip Girl so this is probably where he really got his chops from so I wonder if there's females out there whoever the heck watches um Gossip Girl's probably you know feeling this guy or recognizing this guy he's been in a couple episodes of Family Guy and this, this guy's done tons of work I'll, I'll tell you that um and 
he's been working as early as 20, uh, 2006 from uh, The Lost Son. I guess he was The Lost Son. I don't know. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, we have a pretty extensive cast. We also have uh, uh, Karen Fukawa. I know I'm saying this wrong, so I'm, I apologize. She's playing the female. Wow, you couldn't even give her a name. Um, Nathan Mitchell as Black Noir, and Elizabeth Shue as Madeline Stilwell. And uh, I think that's just about everyone we've been uh, introduced to, as well as uh, Simon Pegg as for Huey's dad. So I'm assuming if you've listened to this much, you've you realized who we are all talking about or what we're talking about. Um, and the the girlfriend. Um, oh wait, two people I haven't mentioned. Uh, the girl, the girlfriend Jess uh, Sal Salguero as Robin and Alex Hassel as Translucent. So. Yeah, we have an extensive cast. I can definitely see that they would want to have, um, I don't know about Game of Thrones style, but in, maybe in the storytelling, they definitely want to have many places to cut to. Um, the first episode of The Boys is oddly similar to what I would expect a rated R Justice League um, directed by maybe like Matthew Vaughn, but written by someone a little bit more cynical. The action is, well, yeah, when I say it might be directed by Matthew Bond, I, I guess it implies there's more action. I don't think it has the, the budget to have a Matthew Vaughn action, but it definitely wants to be. Um, it's, it's a dark tale and a different world that we're getting on the boys. And given I haven't seen the marketing for the majority of it, I'm like, I don't even know who the boys are. So it was by the end of the episode I started to realize who they actually are. And so um, it, it, it's uh, Jack Quaid in, in company. So I, um, I finished the first episode. I assume you have by now. What I recommended, uh, it's, it's a loose recommend. I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10. I don't I don't normally rate television, I guess, but 8 out of 10. Because the look of it definitely feels like it's it's striving for a high dollar look. But the writing for me is kind of bringing it down in a way that just feels a little too uh predictable and slightly they they're starting to fall into tropes that I've I'm I'm recognizing and I'm just like oh Lanta, um so I think it the first episode is engrossing it puts you in a state where you're like oh shit we got to really do something we're, you know to watch the next episode you got to you know figure out if they get out of the shit that they just put themselves in so the first episode does do an excellent job of introducing you to our main characters, the world, the reasoning why our main characters are engrossed with the seven who are the the bad, evil Justice League individuals. Um, so given that, we find out, we learn about Vought International, we learn they're just kind of an evil corporate company and stuff like that. So knowing all of that... I wasn't really sure what I was looking for in this show. And I still don't really know in the same way. A lot of people are comparing it to the Umbrella Academy. In a way, I feel that it does have that mature quality about it. But the Umbrella Academy had this kind of whimsy about it that allowed it to kind of breathe. And there's something about this show that makes it feel like I'm being compressed. And it's I'm I'm not so much enjoying my experience as I am just more curious about what else am I going to see next because I'm not going to lie that in this first episode there's several images that will stick with you for you know a couple of days if you're one of those people or you know you'll you'll it'll leave you thinking about holy shit you know what if and it really does take the the superhero genre to the extreme 
you know, what happens if, you know, your superheroes are, you know, can fly and have sex, you know, or, you know, what, what happens if, uh, the, the flash goes too fast, you know, and can't stop what happens, you know, there's real consequences that are shown in this, um, show (laughs) they're shown in the show. Um, that's what we'll put, (laughs) but, uh, Demon- the, the powers demonstrated in Marvel films, let's just say for that example, are not taken to its real extreme. The majority of people that get punched, hit, kick, slap, whatever, cut in Marvel films are okay and will bleed maybe one or two drops of blood. And so this really takes it to the extreme. You know, what if you, you do get punched by Superman, you know? It's um, it could be real damaging, you know. What if what if Superman didn't have a good moral compass, or he became corrupt, or you know, ban- morally bankrupt, something like that. So they go they go by the numbers of kind of saying, okay, what if a good guy's gone corrupt? But honestly, as an audience member, I don't think the majority of us have seen an evil. Uh, Superman to its extreme, and we certainly haven't seen it, you know, done in live action to my knowledge, with the exception of something like Brightburn, and that just kind of fell flat on its face. I hope, I'm hoping this series gives a little bit more explanation for why a superhero would want to go to the quote-unquote dark side, um, and not just make it for absolutely no reason. So, uh, yeah, um, let me do a couple key points on the plot summary. I took a couple of notes just going down. So I felt that this episode specifically, I'm not sure if it's all episodes, um, but this first episode is got this Zack Snyder uh, Justice League filter over it. Um, I thought it was interesting seeing the commercialization of superheroes shown in this. Um, In the very first scene, you see how Homelander kills the bad guy immediately. And so it really sets a tone of, okay, so this is what we're going to deal with. You know, this guy's killing people with a smile on his face. And I don't know if he necessarily needed to do that. Um, I said the writing was just okay. I thought the... For some reason, the writing's not gripping me in a way that the Umbrella Academy w- was. Something about it. I, I can't really really put a, put a pen on it. It might have been because they were taking themselves just like a little too seriously or something like that. So the episode really did kick off once we saw what happened to... Um, uh, what's his face? His girlfriend. What's his face? What's his name? Jesus, what's his name? There's so many people. Oh, oh lost it. Oh, the boys. Oh. Jack Quaid's, what's his name? Huey, Jesus. Huey's not a common name, so it's a little difficult to remember that. Um, So the episode really kicks off once Huey and Robin kind of, uh, I don't know, once that relationship is completed. Um, By now, I would have expected you to to have seen the first episode. Um, So we know what happens to Robin. My gosh, she gets... Fucked up. She's standing right off the street, just one foot off the street, right off the curb, and A Train or something like his name is. It's like the bad guy Flash, um, played by Jesse T. He just plows right through her, and it's in a way that really just uh, it, it it basically demolishes her entire body as if a bomb had just gone through her, and the only thing that is left are her hands and blood splattered all over uh, Huey's character. And I was just like in shock. I was just like, holy fuck. That was, first of all, a badass scene in the way the slow-mo, that it, in the way that was shot. Um but also very traumatizing. I thought the direction in it was exceptionally well done. Um, so that that really kicks off what kind of uh, you know what kind of superhero um, 
I don't know, superhero show we're going to get, this, this series. Um, and right before she's killed, A-Train a is in the background of the taxi in the first scene, which um, they, they do have small Easter eggs throughout this episode. Um, and also, there's no apology from A-Train, like, immediately as it happens. I mean, all he says is, like, I can't stop, I can't stop, and he keeps on going, and, and that sets off, you know, questions for later. Um, the Seven apparently have been a group for at least 15 years, which is kind of hard to believe, considering later things that happen. Um, Simon Pegg is trying real hard as an older Pops. Um, Vought in this first episode, wants an NDA from Dwight for $45,000, which he is, you know, absurdly pissed about. And, you know, the editing shows that he's feeling just insane about it, but he doesn't go through with it. Um, Starbright is almost, this is what I said from earlier, is almost annoyingly naive at this point in the episode. She's really trying to get inducted into the Seven, which doesn't seem all that difficult with the exception of her just randomly having powers there there doesn't seem to be like this uh it, it seems to be somewhat like an a job interview but like for some reason we don't see anybody else that has um that has their i don't know superpowers together that want to join the seven which is which makes it seem like it's kind of easy for her to just you know walk on in um let's see uh Huey, Simon Pegg's father, actually says um, that Huey doesn't have the fight in him, and that he never has, and that his pops never has never had it, and no one's ever had it. And so, apparently, it's just this big thing without his family that he's just gone on about, and that essentially sets him up to say, you know, fuck you, Dad, I'm going to go do this shit. And so he just leaves. Um, and at this point, Huey's 25, from what I understand. Um, Starbright is introduced to the celebrity lifestyle as soon as she's inducted and hears about, you know, that she's joined the Seven. Little does she know what, you know, what's gonna, you know, what that little, that entitles to, unfortunately. We are shown the shareholders meeting from, um, and this is where Vaught, is introduced as well as Elizabeth Shue. And Elizabeth Shue is Marty McFly's girlfriend in the second and third Back to the Futures, which um, we've actually covered the first one as of right now. We might go back and do the other ones and see Miss Elizabeth Shue in there. Um, she's excellent, by the way. I think she gives this like magnetic performance where she's... Um, I don't know this this smirk about her face, like she's evil, but she's like smirking at the same time. So it's 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 a very great, it's it's a really good um, performance. The Deep introduces Starlight at the shareholders meeting, and they have some glances back and forth. And you, he kind of looks like a cocky asshole. Um, a train is commercialized everywhere, and it's really an excellent scene of what real life would be like. Say that if we. Um, had like if you were traumatized by a superman event or by uh by a batman or you know something like that in real life then you would honestly see those characters you know on the merchandising you would see the toys at you know at McDonald's you would see the cups at the gas station you would see the advertisements on tv you would see them all over the place and i could see how that would be pretty traumatizing just as what they showed they showed just in the gas station with the the merchandising for a train which uh eventually makes huey pass out um starlight describing that she always wanted to be in the seven to deep um to the deep and then saying she had a crush on him felt weird. I feel like Starlight is too old to kind of be saying this type of stuff. She seems about five years too old to be saying this, at least. Maybe even older. Um, and she says she had a poster of The Deep on her, on her, in her room when she was younger. So The Deep has been in this, um, the seven, or in within vault for that long is my question it it's kind of ambiguous and they kind of make it seem like the deep is like this older guy that she's had this big crush on but honestly i think they're very 
they're pretty close in age from what it looks like, so it didn't really make much sense. And the agency they're giving her, just I, I, I understand they're making her go through some of the worst and most heinous stuff that you have to go through so that she's, you know, going to come back from it even stronger. But I don't know about this scene. He just whips out his, uh, you know, his Johnson and starts playing with themselves and with himself and he just says that he's the number two around there and if you want to be in the seven basically you got to get with this for a couple you know roll with the punches is what he says which is some assholeish thing to say um i i can't believe they even decided to go down this road but i i i guess that's what would happen in this cynical ass world that they've created um billy butcher is uh really chomping on the words when he's introduced into the scene about nanny cams uh, at, what's it called, Huey's um, Huey's place of work. And so he's like, you know, how many people like shake, you know, how many nannies shake the baby or something like that? One percent, one and a half percent? It was like some weird-ass question. I was like, what the hell are you talking about? And so um, he starts off asking some weird, bizarre words and... Uh, I think it was some of the dialogue between them. I was just like, what is going on? And so eventually, eventually Billy takes him, you know, on a little excursion saying, you know, we, you know, if you want to do this, you know, get, if you want to help with, um, basically he says, if you didn't take the $45,000, you're from Vought, you were kind of a good guy. And so I'm here to help kind of thing. And he wants to take down Vought and he, it's kind of implied that um, when he's trying, when they're about to walk into the club of superheroes or whatever the fuck it's called, um, that he is FBI or he's of some sort of um, like police entail. And so it's all implied. Huey just kind of picks it up and he's very just like, I, you know, I guess I'll do this kind of thing. He doesn't really have much agency, in my opinion, although we know that he doesn't like. Uh, a train and he doesn't like um he seriously doesn't like what's it called um Vought. so we end up getting introduced to the the superhero club scene um we see the first bit of sex in it i guess besides the kind of the rape date rape stuff over whatever you want to call i i don't i guess it is rape uh with the starlight stuff but um the sex scene in the club was kind of cool what if you could fly and have sex and that's basically what you saw what if you're like a mr fantastic and you have um you know you're able to stretch and you happen and you're in a gay uh gay club you know that that is basically explored here you know what if you are um ant-man or something like that and you go into this it's it it shows all of these possibilities and it's a, a lot to handle at, at some points we see a train is laughing at robin's expense in the club and this was one of the scenes i thought was a little bit more contrived than most i was like i don't believe this in any world anyone would be doing this this guy is just above and beyond an asshole um and they're, they're doing you know wonders to do it to, to show that um and uh, we're shown what happens to Starlight at the end of the the scene with the deep. She's you know throwing up, trying to get rid of all the nastiness. And uh, what's it? The fake ass Wonder Woman. Um, I forgot what her name. Queen Maeve goes over to see what you know. She she basically says you know clean yourself up, don't let them see you like that. So it makes me wonder if she knows what the deep did to her. Which I don't know. Many questions about that. Overall. Um, we learn a lot of things in that episode, plus Translucent is a fucking creep. The greatest superhero team the world's ever seen, The Seven. Is there anything I can help you with? I'm not going to piss you about, Chewie. I heard what happened to Robin. You ain't alone, son. Soups lose hundreds of people each year to collateral damage. I can't stop. I can't stop. That's where I mean the boys are coming. Spank the bastards when they get out of line. Can you control her, please? You need to unclench your asshole. Why are you two carrying on like a bunch of fucking twins? The boys. Season finale. Here's the Wikipedia 
synopsis of the final episode. The Pentagon classifies Compound V and the boys are wanted for Translucent's death. Annie confronts her mother. Vought denies Deep's return to the Seven, causing him an emotional breakdown. An injured A-Train, angrily at being racially profiled while out of costume, goes back to Compound V and his brother leaves him in disgust. Butcher takes Huey to Mallory, who refuses participation, but tells Butcher about Stillwell and warns Huey about Butcher, who abandons the others for Stillwell. This prompts Huey to leave Butcher to seek Annie's help, who refuses out of distrust. Maeve opens up and asks Starlight to be herself again. Homelander privately confesses to Stillwell to secretly make super terrorists terrorists and they have sex following after that in a black site Milk and Frenchie are met by Huey who were smuggled in his sorry let me repeat that in a black site Milk and Frenchie are met by Huey who smuggled in his old retainer so Frenchie picks the lock to escape freeing Kimco. Starlight rescues them, but A-Train soon arrives. Huey and Starlight delay him, and A-Train suffers a heart attack. Huey applies CPR, but Starlight takes over so he can escape. Butcher takes Stillwell hostage to bait Homelander, who, after torturing Volgom, kills Stillwell. Butcher attempts suicide, but Homelander saves him, taking him to Becca, raising Homelander's son in secret, stunning both Butcher and Becca. So that was a mouthful, but I wanted to just really run down the the storylines and plot details of what's going on in this kind of crazy series. I had mixed feelings about this series going in. Um, I mostly had just heard mostly positive things about it. I really enjoyed Dan Trachtenberg, the director, in the first episode. Um, I kind of would have wanted a little bit more Trachtenberg in in this um, series. I believe he only did the first episode. And uh, Eric Kripke... um, came on and directed the rest. He was a writer as well. So, this series um, was, this episode specifically was written by Rebecca Sonalshine um, and uh, Annie Kofel Saunders, Eric Kripke, and Garth Ennis. I'd say... Most of the characters in this, I had mixed feelings kind of on uh, Aaron Moriarty's character, Starlight, the majority of the time. When she played strong and powerful, I liked her, but there was a lot of the, the time there was she was kind of pushed to the side um, as, you know, you know, a specific female that is having trouble, trouble in the workplace. And, you know, she needs to be a strong, independent female kind of thing, um, sometimes believed it more than others. Um, the other characters, Queen Maeve, she's definitely pushed to the side, doesn't have much of an arc in this. Um, the character of Homelander really becomes fleshed out between the last couple episodes. I'd say episode seven was the one that really had me on my toe, my pins and needles, is what I like to say. Just like suspense as it, it, it was through the roof. And... I'd say this last episode definitely leaves you in a place where you're like, holy shit, I, I need one more episode. So it definitely leaves you craving more. Overall, we find out about Billy Butcher's, you know, wife, who we think is dead the majority of the, the time, who I kind of had a mixed feeling that she wasn't at, at, you know, I was like, wow, they're really taking this, you know, death to the nth degree. And they showed us like terrible hemorrhaging with her pregnancy that, happens to be Homelander's baby, and I just hear it was just a terrible pregnancy overall, and uh, 
oh, just thinking about the description of it and what it's just flashing in my head. It's like, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. So just I, I, I would say off the top of my head that there is some crazy body horror in the last couple episodes that really kind of kicked this up a notch. And I want to say that the the middle episodes were the weakest for me. I'd say it has a strong opening. The second episode starts to dip down a little bit more. But three, four, five, I was like, oh my gosh! I at this point, I don't really want to watch this because of just how cynical it is, how uh, falsely patriotic it is. It's almost so on the nose that uh, it, it's up, it's upsetting in a way. It's like, oh my god! It's like you know, just terrible people all around and corrupt and uh there there really is no um i don't know what i see is you know light at the end of the tunnel and there's not much there's not there's not many things that let the fuse out you know um that let the pressure out off of the the gas i is what i would say it's constantly trying to um, I don't know, one up itself in a way, in in a way that's almost unbelievable in some parts. Um, I will say I think this cast was sl- is slightly too big. They've got all of the people in the seven, and they're slowly kind of being picked off. But in addition to that, we have all of these new guys, the boys, and I want to say Milkman or whatever whatever his name is. Um, let me the the people that are actually considered the boys, Carl Urban's Billy Butcher's character, Jack Quay's Huey Campbell, um, what's it, uh, Lazo Alonzo Alonzo as uh, Milk, Mother's Milk, and uh, Tomir Capon as Frenchie, and uh, Karen Fukuoka, um as the female quote unquote the female honestly they were the least interesting thing for me throughout the entire series i i understood the motivations i understood really billy butchers was the most interesting i feel like they should have probably uh revolved the series around more of uh carl carl urban's character and not so much jack quaid because jack quaid um i don't know he's just not i'm not sure if he's ready to carry this kind of uh show yet and it's in a way that it's like oh my gosh i was falling asleep when the kid would come on and i felt bad but i was i was trying to stick with it and i was trying to uh, you know reside with him and they really did try to have some like ptsd kind of stuff go on with them with him seeing his girlfriend robin throughout the series but that ultimately went nowhere and he ends up falling for starlight almost immediately after and kind of forgetting more or less about robin and it seems that we have this kind of problem where we want the character to move on, but his motivation can't really let him move on. It's it's a weird spot. Um, Carl Carl Urban's character has a much more interesting storyline, and I I feel like they kind of start to find that footing, and they understand that the character. Or I think the directors and writers might feel like Carl Urban's story is a little bit more interesting than than. Um, Huey's at that point or Billy Butcher's story is more interesting at that point um and the female and Frenchie and Mother's Milk they're all just kind of set dressing and they are kind of one note characters that all kind of one or okay one or two note characters it's like you see Mother's Milk talking to his wife all the time about television shows wait for me to watch Downton Abbey and shit like that okay so he would make me laugh a little bit but anytime Frenchie was on screen I was I was falling asleep again um the female um I kind of liked her starting to have like this realization of you know being groomed and stuff like that and they really tried to play up her um, isolated aspects and her being kind of um, not knowing what it feels like to be beautiful kind of stuff that can work but I want I think I need just her I need her to speak or something like that considering we have all these characters the boys it's just like I I guess I just wanted a little bit more of a balance and I really like the way Robin's character was written at the beginning that first couple lines and 
the the female character and it was you know not afraid to kind of say what she had to say and now we actually have a female character in the boys uh that i'm actually like we need her to say something i think that's probably my biggest gripe on that side i felt like i couldn't relate to the quote-unquote the boys and there's really not that many redeeming characters within this show. I mean, everyone's really kind of an asshole. A-Train really pissed me off throughout the majority of the, the season. He keeps saying how Huey is responsible for both uh, Robin's death and uh, uh, Popclaw, his girlfriend's death. I mean, it didn't even make sense to me Like at some of these points where the rationale was coming from. I was like, no we saw you do it. You saw you did it. No matter how many times, it's it's just like, just I don't know, just pissed me off. It was like, no, this is not believable at all. It doesn't feel like this is how it would go down. Um, some of the superpowers in this for the super uh, the soups felt selective. Um, I really felt like Homelander used his you know uh, laser eyes. And you know, flying abilities a lot, but to save the budget, they would they would sh- only do the sound of him hitting the ground or something like that, and then show him walking into this into this frame, or um, laser eyes that you know just put probably a after effect over his eyes. Um, I kind of wanted a little bit more of that. I mean, when he went off, he really went off, and but that's when I was like, why isn't he doing this more? And there, I thought he had supersonic hearing. I thought he could do this, that. It felt like sometimes the powers felt selective, and when it comes to the super superpowers, you can always make up something that makes him a little weaker, or weaker. But I guess it's got to make sense within the world, and that's all I'm really asking. Uh, the compound V plotline so uninteresting. I was like, this is making me. I a lot of the the rationale of why we should have been interested in all of this was was uh, was lacking in my opinion. I don't know why. I I want to compare this to like the Umbrella Academy or something like that. And the Umbrella Academy had such an interesting hook of these random women or you know had babies all on one day and some dude was coming to collect them it's like that sounds like an interesting fucking thing like straight off you know right off the bat versus you know these superheroes are corrupt by you know a a, a corporate villain and stuff like that and everyone's cynical and dark and it's just like i feel like there's a way this this could lighten up just a little bit and I feel like they wanted maybe Jack Quaid to do it, but his just charisma is not translating across the screen for me. And he's um, he's a good character. He feels more like the side character, like the side best friend for me. I don't know what we got to do to fix that, or if we just got to make Starlight. We got to make someone else the the, the the I'd say the focus. Um. But yeah, that's that's only my opinion. I can understand why people are going to be loving this and say, oh, dude, this is the next revolutionary thing. You don't even know, man. And so, yeah, I could, sef- I de- I could definitely see um, why this would be uh, popular to a, a large sum of people. I feel like right now I'm trying to look for more positive media, um, specifically something like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I really liked how that movie... Uh, took me on this journey and on this ride and and I I love the progression of it and it ultimately left me me feeling in a positive place and just the way the world's happening a lot these days politics you know the, you know behind the scenes just this it's it's just a crazy world out there so it's just nice to see a little bit of positivity um, translated on screen and so something like this was a little bit more difficult to get into I guess just as of right now it could be just my personal taste you know um, I mean obviously everything I'm saying is um, opinionated so I just wanted to give you mine and I think I'll definitely check out the second season I don't really have any big things to say about the second season I will say Elizabeth Shue was amazing in this first season I'm sad to see her leave. I'm 
you know she's an amazing actress and uh she had a very interesting relationship with homelander and uh that was i don't remember the 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 thing they definitely had like this weird bonding sexual thing going on and it was uh kind of like this paternal like turn on they had on it was kind of weird i mean it definitely was weird but it was uh loosely explored i would say i don't know i gotta say the performance of homelander that guy just is a complete shitbag and i I definitely want to see him do some more stuff maybe might check out banshee or something like that so yeah i uh i appreciate it thank you for checking out the Look it up podcast and checking out the boys. If you're interested in more um, superhero stuff or more television or movies or media or just reviews and stuff, we have tons of stuff coming down the tube. We, um, we've we checked out Hobbs and Shaw most recently. Um, that new Fast and Furious ass, it'll get you. It's, 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 it's a fast one, let's just say that. Um, what else have we watched? Um... What else have we watched? I don't know why I don't have the list in front of me. Uh, okay, so we've additionally watched uh, Money Heist. Oh, yeah, sorry. And uh, we also checked out Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It was, as we said earlier, a little Jackie Brown. Um, we also checked out Back to the Future, 1985, the original. Look for the link below. It's a private link. But I'm giving it to y'all because I think y'all are really cool. And you can get a sneak peek of the uh, Back to the Future podcast before it comes out. So, thank you for listening. Check out all the social medias. If you have a little spare change, spare change, spare change, anyone. Um, then uh, feel free to help us out on PayPal. We have the link below. Thank you for listening rate share subscribe look at our podcast at gmail.com take it easy